The Press Box is here to catch you up on the latest media stories. Hosted by Brian Curtis and David Shoemaker, these guys have the insight on the biggest stories you care about. Check out The Press Box on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast and Ring RC. I'm Musa Ponga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm all right, thanks, man. How are you? Very, very well indeed. Lovely. In, yes, well, given the weather, the weather's beautiful. Good vibes. Yeah, very happy. Yay. Uh, we hope uh, everyone else is staying safe and well. Women's Champions League this weekend, final Premier League round of fixtures, Serie A, Liga, La Liga. And uh, some playoff stuff in, in England and then Conference League and then Champions League next week and then comp- and then playoff final in Championship playoff final. Oh my God, there's so much football still to get through. I just, so it's just dawned on me. <laughs> it's never no. ending. Never ending. Let's do some admin. All right. If you do like what we do and you listen to us on a podcast app, it allows you to rate and review. Please do so. It'd be very kind. Um, also... Check the Stadio Outros playlist on Spotify, all the music we play on each episode. The newest one is at the top. And finally, thanks to everyone who hit us up about Monday's, uh, sorry, Tuesday's episode. It was very kind. But yeah, so today, it's going to be fairly short and snappy today, I think. We're just going to talk about the Europa League final and then wrap up a couple of other bits after that. So let's get into it after yeah. this. All right, man, to Seville. To Seville and to glory. For Eintracht Frankfurt, who defeated Rangers on penalties after one all draw at the end of uh, two hours of football. And just what a great tournament the Europa League was. Just before we get into the final so itself, good. this is an outstanding tournament. And I'm, I'm actually really, really happy that it was in Seville. I feel like because Seville have won it so many times, they should be able to like host it all the time. Like the Jurium Trophy. Like the Jurium <laughs> Trophy. Yeah. So like, unless they're in the final themselves they should be allowed to host it whenever it's not the final. They're just so good. Um, not sure how the locals of Seville will feel about <laughs> footballers, football fans invading their, um, their city once a year. But um, in terms of the football that we've seen, it was tremendous. And we'll get to, first of all, uh, commiserations for Rangers. And yeah, also- What a run they've had. We'll talk about Rangers run, as well. But, but primarily, this is, this is about, this is about Untracht. This is about Glasner, yeah. the coaching he's yeah. done since he's come in. Where well, do we start? We, let, me kick, yeah. let me kick you off with some 
I suppose it's kind of stats, facts, whatever. Yeah. First Continental Trophy for Eintracht since 1980. Amazing. Which I think was also the UEFA Cup. It was the UEFA, yeah. Again, it's glad back. They're going to play in the European Cup slash Champions League for the first time since 1960, which is, of course, when they went to the final. Amazing. And Oli Glasner is the first Austrian coach to win a major European competition since Ernst Happel. Wow. With Haas Fau in the 1983 European Cup. That is unbelievable. So it's been a long time for everything. Everything right. around this Eintracht victory has taken a long time. But also, what I think one of the main things to stress here is that Eintracht have won this tournament without losing a single game. A single game, which is kind of wild considering the sides that have been in there and the sides that they went up against. And for Eintracht this season, it's been quite a curious season on the whole. Because for those who, are, who, are, who haven't massively been following what's going on in the Bundesliga, the former Eintracht coach, Adi Hutter, who was quite popular and well-regarded at Eintracht and had done a good job there, moved to Gladbach last, well, for this, at the beginning of the season. Oli Glasner left Wolfsburg after taking them to the Champions League, moved to Eintracht. And... There was so much managerial turnover in the Bundesliga that all of the teams were kind of all over the place. Gladbach were in a right mess for a while. Wolfsburg started well and then dropped off. Eintracht have been a little bit all over the place in the league as well. So they actually finished 11th in the Bundesliga with 40, 42 points from 34 games and a minus goal difference. It's a very, very strange season overall. But now, but in the Europa League, they've, been, they've just been incredible. And now they're going to play Champions League. Like Adi Hutter has now left Gladbach after a poor season. They fit, they ended up finishing above Eintracht, who were pushing for Champions League last season as well. Remember, they were they weren't they weren't a million miles away at one point. And yet, it's so I know, I know it's all ifs and buts, but without this Europa League run, Glasner would have been in trouble. He would have, but then I think a gamble. He would have been, but at the same time, you're completely right. I think a gamble was made at a certain point of the season to prioritize yeah yeah to divide what's that thing in the uh, divert all all power to thrusters to Europa League thrusters and that's what happened I think that's here. right because if you think they've, they've essentially got the same prize for finishing 11th in the league than they would have they would have if they'd gone fourth but yeah exactly. they've actually won silverware which is a, this is the great thing about the Europa League I don't like the fact that if you fail you drop into the Conference League and or you drop into the Europa League from the Champions League if you fail in there but I do like the fact that you get into the Champions League if you win it I do like that very much because actually it's an outstanding achievement. Like not just of endurance, but the teams that are there, like this is, these are not soft touches. And I just want to know when the moment was when Glasner and the other rest of the coaching staff were like, you know, the coaching staff were like, actually we can do this. I, I want to know when it was in the season when they were like, because the thing about Glasner is his match play, like his tactical nous really comes to the fore in knockout tournaments mm. because the way that he sets up, I mean, I've told this story a thousand times, but it was a Wolfsburg had a friendly, a preseason friendly and they beat like PSV or something. Like how often do you get people that excited about a preseason friendly, which, you know, there's so little you can actually derive from them, but they were just like the way he set up the Wolfsburg team to beat that PSV team in a friendly, like easily was just like on a different level, like immediately everything was maximised. And you saw that with the Wolfsburg team he coached. Like they don't have much attacking talent. Well, that's not fair. They didn't have much in the way of firepower 
Um, the players they had were talented in attack, but they just had very few of them. And he shuffled the pack so well. He shuffled the pack really well. And I think you saw the same, you saw the best of Glasner in this Europa League run. Like really, the, the way they were switching the ball, even this final, like it was so interesting because a lot of their success came on the counter um, in previous rounds, but actually a lot of the best work they did here came when they, they were like playing on the front foot. Um, Lindstrom and Rhoda in particular, just the way they move the ball between them and just spread the ball and fan out to the wing backs is just is outstanding. And for a long period, Rangers really were like, you know, not just sitting deep, but forced onto the back foot because of that. So yeah, shout out to Glasner and his tactical, tactical nous. Yeah, definitely. And I think you touched on something there that I thought was really impressive from Eintracht in that first half. That that first, what, specifically 20 minutes, they created so many really good opportunities and yeah, yeah, good, bar yeah, for a yeah. couple of really good saves or a couple of deflections and actually a couple of bits of finishing that could have been better like Klauff had that one that McGregor saved which was really smart when he cut inside oh that was, was a really a good effort I yeah, think yeah, yeah. just wide maybe that was closer to half time but um, really good effort though yeah yeah but Eintracht I thought played really well and Rangers were struggling to get into gear in that first half I thought I think so. I think yeah. they came into yeah. it in the latter stages of the first half. They they kind of found their feet a little bit more. But then when they did, I thought they they played some good stuff. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. ironically, I actually think when they scored, it came after another period of quite substantial Eintracht pressure after the, the pyrotechnics at halftime, which are it was great. I was watching. I was, watch, I was actually watching this with Wrighty, and he was just like, "Wow, look at that!" And I was just like. It's like every week in the Bundesliga, man. Yeah, like yeah. Some, there is a lot of there is a lot of fabric and fire extremely close together. <laughs> yes, and it's not somehow advisable. they seem to just navigate it okay. That early period in the second half, I thought, was probably Eintracht's best period. Actually, I don't know how, what you thought. It felt like they were really turning the screw. Like Kamada had that one that just went over. Oh no, that was actually after the Rangers goal. But that that early period before Rangers scored, it really felt like Eintracht was so. I good. thought. Well, if you look at you look where the goal came from, so it's nil nil at half time. If you look where the goal came from, it was a I think it was Tuta's first mistake of the match. And the weird thing was, it was a flick on, and he the way I've rewatched this several times when he falls over. So Tuta the ball gets flicked on by one of Eintracht's own players towards his own goal. Mm. A bit of a nightmarish backhead, a bit like the Tony Cruz head in the 2014 World Cup final, like nightmare Oof. backheader, which puts the centre-back in a terrible position. But here's the thing, Tudor should still have got to it. Then you see him running back and I think he actually trips over his own ankles. I still can't work out if he slips up on the turf or his own ankles. Yeah, it's a bit of a, yeah, it's a, it's a gnarly slip. A strange stumble. Well, he gets subbed off actually, like pretty soon after that. Um, and I'm not sure if it was, uh, mm. he incurred some kind of injury as a result, but he puts a, that, that puts a rebo through and a really, really nice finish into the corner. But really Rangers weren't doing anything to, not, not this not to be harsh, but, but to merit that lead, I think on the balance of play, just because they were kind of like fighting to get out of, of a pit to start with. So they take the lead, but then Eintracht just raise it again. And to their credit, they keep playing football. You so often see teams like this, they lose the first goal in the major final and it was an energy sapping final. There were drinks breaks throughout. Like, so it's a really like, yeah, humid it was affair. Very warm, yeah. Very humid affair. And if, you, if you're a counter-attacking team, frankly, you know, the last thing you want to be doing is repeated sprints up and down, like breaking up and down. So it, to Eintracht's credit, they, they maintained the intensity and, and the goal when it came, the equalizer when it came, was really well constructed. And I thought, funny enough, and not to be too critical, I felt like, they stole a bit of a march on Rangers because they had been hitting the six yard box really well all game. 
So they should have been maybe better prepared for that cross that came in. Um, and then the centre-back at the near post. So criticism will go, um, criticism will go to Bassi for not coming across, but actually I think Tavernier gets caught a step short at the near post and Borre just steals in there. And this is the thing, Borre's like a big time player at this point. Scored in Libertadores final, scored in the run-up to the final and got one again here. And a really nice finish at the near post. The very, actually, I'm sure Ian would have been very happy with that. Um, <laughs> near post strikers finish. Excellent. Getting, just getting, splitting the, splitting the defenders, but getting ahead of your man as well at the near post. I thought both goals were quite interesting in the fact that they were both really well taken goals, but also slight they came from lapses. They lapses. came from lapses. Yeah, from the, from the opposition. Like, Joe Rebo's finish, I think. It's excellent. I was, I was thinking how long that must have been from the moment that he breaks through. Yes, like yes. Like how much that must have felt like, how long that must have felt like in the Europa League final in front of your fans because they were at the Rangers end. Yes, yes. It must have felt like an eternity. And the fact that actually the finish, while it was composed, it wasn't amazing, but it was enough. It was enough to get it was, past it was trap, you know. Direct direction, not power. And frankly, to get past trap in this form, this yeah. trap was really good and really, really commanding, really commanding of his area. It's just looking through this team of players, I'm just so happy for them, Eintracht, because it's it really is um it's the exclamation point mm. on the really fine form that a lot of them have shown in the last couple of years and kind of under the radar. I mean, they won the Paul Cowell against Bayern. So within within Germany, we know what a really good cup side they are but I'm just glad that they got this moment. It's huge for Eintracht. Yeah, yeah absolutely Let's huge. Let's talk about that a little bit after, but... More of the game, yeah. I think penalties kind of felt a bit fair, actually. Yes, it was yes, fa- yes. Fair in a sense, but unfair in another way, because Eintracht were the better side and probably deserved to sneak it, because they did have some really good chances. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. It never, it never felt like Rangers were hanging on at any point. Not to me, anyway. No, not, not, at, all, not at all, not at all, not at all. I think, I think what happened was... These are two counter-attacking teams. They started off quite cagey and the game was compressed. The only real freedom I saw was, I mean, like, it's interesting because players like Kostic didn't really get into it, not because they weren't brought into it, more they weren't brought into it, more they weren't thriving. Game's quite compressed and as people got more tired, of course, the game stretches out. It gives more end-to-end opportunities. But like you said, the fact that the two goals came from lapses, it really speaks to the fact that the concentration levels were so high. It was, the goals were only ever going to come from lapses because the goalkeepers were stopping shots from distance, right? So even the spectacular stuff wasn't getting a look in. So it was only really going to come from an individual mistake, if that makes sense. Just because mm. they were so, both teams were so well drilled. Uh, and so penalties it was, and even the penalties were good. But these penalties were all clattered. Oh my goodness. They were yeah. like top left, top right. Out of sight. So, yes. <laughs> so Aaron, Aaron Ramsey, who comes in, comes... Oh, oh, no. He went down the middle, didn't he? And this is the thing about going down the middle, right? If you're going to go down the middle, you need to have a bit of a plan. You've got a penanker it. We're seeing a thing from goalkeepers now with the shootout where they're throwing themselves low to a corner, but they're throwing a hand up or a leg up as they go across. They're leaving a bit of a barrier, a bit like a, you know, a fence before you get into a field. And they're really smart and dynamic when they're doing it, like jumping. I'm sure they practice like jumping up and across while going down at the same time, kind of jackknifing. And it's a really impressive piece of shot stopping because it's just making your body as big as possible. And Ramsey's penalty, I mean, I wouldn't say it lacked conviction because if it goes in, then we're all like, oh yeah, we don't even notice it. But I think it stood out because it was the penalty that was hit with the least margin for error, if that makes sense. 
Like mm. All of the penalties had a kind of margin for error. They were low, they were in the corners, they were making the keeper work that bit harder, I think. I think the Ramsey one, the run-up seemed weird. And as soon as he missed it, I kind of just thought, oh no, 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 this is going to be bad. Because he was subbed on super late, I think, for penalties. Mm. Tuckle did the same thing in the FA Cup final, bringing on Barkley for, as, for penalties. And I, and I get it. I, I, I think it, uh, Emma Hayes also did it in the FA Cup final on the weekend with G, because G doesn't like taking penalties. Mm. So I get it, but I also just think, oh, like Aaron Ramsey hasn't played a huge amount of football for Rangers this season, despite going there on loan. And I don't know what the right answer is, if I'm being honest, but mm. it feels quite strange to have a player who hasn't played a huge amount, is on loan, to take such a pivotal penalty yeah. for a club like Rangers in the final. Do you know what I mean? I completely agree because... The problem is, if you're allowing a player to take a penalty for whom the narratives are so easy if he misses, you need to think twice about why he's that high up in the order. I think, I think. Like, the reason why he's taking it needs to far outweigh the reason why he would not, in my mm. opinion. So he was an absolutely nailed on penalty specialist, converted 98.3% of all attempts, a bit like Aaron Geese, then okay, fine, because that's what he does. But, you know, Ramsey, there's been disappointment over what he's produced at Rangers. Um, I mean, he's been injured as well. Like, so yeah, but also, I think but, but, just, just, but just in terms of yeah, the signing, like, in terms of how the Titans signs turned out. Yeah, it's not, it's not like he had, you know, pulled, and this isn't to slag Aaron Ramsey off, it's just more No, it's of not, a, it's not, it's not. To put it into context, it wasn't like, you know, he dragged Rangers through some games and, I mean, he's played all right at points when he has played, but it's not. It's more like a struggling like player. It's a, a struggling player, yeah, yeah. Yeah, at, yeah it's, it's, and there's something about that that I just feel, I mean, anyone can miss a penalty, you know, anyone can do it. Some of the best players, I think, I feel like we say this every time we talk about penalties, but some of the best players of all time, the greatest players of all time have all missed penalties. Yeah. With someone like Ramsey, you can almost hear everyone typing the tweets. The, tweet, the, tweets, were sa- the tweets were saved as drafts. The tweets but were also, I was just like, why are we talking about Arsenal right now? Why is there Arsenal chat on the timeline? Ryan, centuries from now, when the sun is finally going cold, there will still be Arsenal chat on the timeline. (laughs) (laughs) There just will. I I just felt so sorry for Aaron Ramsey. I would have felt sorry for anyone who who had missed a penalty or had a penalty saved, I should say, in the final. But I don't know, something something about it being him felt extra cruel. It was, it was extra cruel. The thing about the penalties is whenever they walk up to the spot, everyone knows that's the thing about being a player in that situation. Like, uh, someone's going to be a villain. And the mm. question is who the villain's going to be. And I think it was the first penalty taken by Eintracht when the guy scores and he just he puts his finger to his lips. He shushes the crowd after a shoot. I was like, wow, <laughs> that is some, that's some big energy there because crowds are going to say what they're going to say, but just the audacity to be like, yeah, shut up. I'm not going to be your villain tonight. That was quite a big, yeah, Christopher quite a big Lens. look. Lens. Yeah, that was a big look. Yeah. yeah. Hell of a penalty. Yeah. It's, it's a cruel way to lose finals. It just is. But, you know, got to figure it out some way. So, yeah, absolutely. Rangers fans and Rangers players, I think, can be incredibly proud of what they've achieved this season. After winning the league last year, 
obviously we've talked about Ange Postacoglu's job at Celtic and how good they've been in, in regaining the league this season. But the fact that Rangers did push them pretty close again while maintaining this deep, deep, deep Europa League run all the way to the final, they've knocked out some huge teams and played extremely well against a lot of clubs that people expected to turn Rangers over. Yeah, yeah. They've got themselves to the final, much like Eintracht, actually. I think both teams have got to the final in the face of immense disrespect. And then what I love about this as well, that they didn't do that thing where they get to the final and everyone's like, oh, it was a game too far. No, because it wasn't a game too I far. I love that it wasn't. They could have won the game. Yeah, yeah. And Rangers could have been here this morning in the Champions League next season. I know that sounds double harsh to just say that for any Rangers fans listening, so I apologise. But that's just a go, that's, that's just a go, it goes to show just how, how impressive this has been this season. It's an incredible, I think it's genuinely an incredible job. I just hope they're okay for the cup final against Hearts at the weekend. Yeah. Because bringing yourself back, yeah, pulling yourself back for that. I mean, but maybe it gives them extra motivation. If they can come out of that with, with, a, with, a, with a win as well, that's a, that's a trophy, a, Euro, a European final and second place in the leagues were very good Celtic side under new management, even though they did have the pieces that left over from, from Gerrard's tenure. That is a really, really good season. Yeah. And also an incredible foundation to kick on from because Van, Van Bronckhorst is a really good coach. Yeah. The great thing for me would be like if we saw Scottish teams going deeper in the European competition every year, it'd be amazing to see them there. Yeah, 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 definitely. Actually, can I have a quick shout for Stephen Davis, actually, because yeah. he played in the 08 final as well against Zenit. So he's now lost two Europa League finals for Rangers. And I don't know how, and I said this on Twitter, I don't know how they find the words to talk to uh, TV interviewers just after they've lost. Lundström was there, like, and just... The disappointment, you know, was obvious, but also just the, the sense that you've let fans down. Um, and in, in the short term, it's like you feel you let people down, but you, you haven't actually. You haven't let anyone down. But they played, I think, 19 games by the end of this campaign. Mm. This was an incredible journey for Rangers. Like, and it was, only going to, it was only ever going to be somebody as good as Eintracht who denied them, who, if they look back, I mean, once they sort of, I'm sure Eintracht will do like a, doc- a documentary about this Europa League run when frankly they have to. But if you look at the victories, like the one over Barcelona, like, and this is the thing, the two legs, because in the first leg, Barcelona could say, well, got caught cold by that system. But the second leg, when Barcelona knew it was coming and still got utterly overwhelmed. And a Barcelona team actually, backyard. To, that bo- to that point, playing really, really well. And they never fully recovered from that Barcelona. If you think about no, Barcelona's form no, until that yeah. defeat, and you've said this, until that defeat, Barcelona were really like, whoa, they're back, they're back. They'd, they'd absolutely gone after, they'd given Real a, a chasing in the Clasico, an absolute chasing. Could have been 5-0 in that Clasico, ended up being four. But after that, and this is yeah, why- leg in Frankfurt has like completely derailed, I think. They were yeah. like, whoa, actually, we're, they we're not cooked. quite as they black got, as they, we thought we were. They got cooked, yeah, yeah, they really did. They did, and I think that's the thing that Eintracht have done this season. They've just dealt with, I, don't, I can't remember them coming, like scraping through a tie with any luck, really. Also, a transitional season. You get into the Champions League in a transitional season, and now you're a destination. Now players, you think about oh, the dude, agents. Yes. I mean, we've talked about this before about Eintracht, like, that that club, I think, is a sleeping is a sleeping giant potentially. Oh, amazing! Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. The, the stadium's incredible. The fan base is incredible. You know, the location is pretty decent. You know, not bad. In Frankfurt, eh? if you've got money, isn't particularly bad. 
Yeah, yeah. You're gonna, it's a vibe, you, yeah. You kind of need some money to live there, really. Yeah. Oli Glasner is a really good coach. Um, as I the mentioned before, he's a perfect, he's a perfect yeah. visual hybrid of Michael J. Fox and Stephen Gerrard. <laughs> <laughs> well. well, the exciting <laughs> thing about moving to Frankfurt, <clears throat> Callum Hudson Odoi. Um, the exciting thing about dude, moving to <laughs> dude, don't don't even joke, man. Like you see, what I'm the saying Bundesliga. Like I don't want right. to, I don't want to go here, right? Because this happens every year. But Dortmund have low key signed two of the best defenders in the Bundesliga centre back. And one of the best attackers, one of the best young attackers in Europe. They've obviously lost Erling Haaland, but you know, Bayern might be losing Lewandowski this summer. Which By all accounts, he's he's big change. Done. Yeah. If you look at a lot of those players at Bayern, especially the ones who have won the Champions League, like what else is there really for them to do anymore? After a this while, the, it kind of gets, you know. This is and, the thing and, I'm saying. Like, and I would love, yeah. I would love to see some players go to Eintracht because it's a good club to go to. This is what I'm saying. Like, this is why I'm saying Callum hudson Adoy to Eintracht Frankfurt. I'm speaking into existence because the reason I mention it is because it's a really exciting, and this is actually, it wouldn't be a bad place for Timo Werner to return to if he wanted to leave Chelsea either. And the reason I mention this, the thing that's exciting about Eintracht is it's a very, very good team. And also it's a team where you can imagine coming in as a player and being like, I could compete for a place in that team. That's why it's so exciting because you've got the profile of the squad is it's actually quite well balanced in terms of age, but it is a squad that is, you know, so you've got some late twenties players there. We could come in, play a secondary role, then play yourself into contention quite fast. So I just think as a destination right now, it's really thrilling. I, I'm excited. I'm not even a footballer and I'm excited by someone going there. So yeah. I'd be, I'd, yeah. I mean, especially for loan deals. Oh my goodness. Yes, absolutely. Players from other Champions League clubs who are looking for a year or two elsewhere. It'd be perfect, but also I don't want to disrespect Eintracht that way. I want them to be able to sign some top level footballers. Yeah, it's no, just absolutely. The, it's, just, yeah. it's just the financial goal from, from the, the Bundesliga to the rest of, a lot of the rest of the European leagues that I think will hinder very, very, very top tier signings to clubs like Eintracht. But if they can move more into like a Dortmund model as well, but it, some of that squad is still quite young, you know, and they've yeah, had yeah, some yeah. amazing yeah. business there. Like Deji Kamada is just like... Oh, he's brilliant. <sighs> I'm so glad that he's almost gone mainstream now. Yes. Kostic and Kamada had to get something. They had to get yeah. something for their efforts. They've been so good. And Bore as well. Like Bore has done, he's been so good this season. He's been like, doing work. Just, oh. He's been doing serious work. Yeah. Like obviously, you know, massive commiserations and super gutting for Rangers fans, but I'm so happy for Glasner. So happy for Eintracht because this is the club that, you know, has a really kind of special European history without actually achieving a huge amount. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And also another club where the kits are nice. Oh the my goodness. Just, the kits are just great. So Playing, crisp. Yeah. The training beautiful. tops are like, damn, this, this is, is crisp. Beautiful. Like so it's good. very hard to not look good in an Eintracht kit. I'm sure we could manage. I'm sure we could. Uh... Well, you know, I mean, we, we are not professional athletes. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> I would say I'm a few years past this athletic peak. I think it's fair to say. <laughs> yeah, but really, really happy for Eintracht. Um, and yeah. I know, I know I keep talking about like, destination clubs but it's just so nice to see clubs that are well run and kind of doing it in quotes the right way you know but it, it's a club that I'm happy for instinctively whenever I see their results pop up and they're positive you know mm. like when Gladbach get a good result I'm like oh great Gladbach got a good result today because you're just you're just happy for the, the way the club has developed players and, and built a fan base and all the rest of it so yeah I mean we're also massively biased and we just want German clubs to do well in Europe but, <laughs> <laughs> doesn't benefit us does it well you know anyway no but you know it's just nice nice to, yeah it's nice 
nice to see this. So anyway, we should probably leave it there. But yeah, massive congrats to Eintracht and yes. Glasner and uh, yeah, Champions League football for the first time in 62 years. Very exciting. Incredible. Right, let's take a quick break. Let's do it. All right, man. Uh, just a couple of things we want to touch on before we go. There's been an amazing development in the States. The US women's national team and the US men's national team yes. have reached an equal pay bargaining agreement. Remarkable. The two, the two sides will are now on level terms for, this is from a piece that Meg Linehan wrote for The Athletic, equal pay for every game played from friendlies to World Cups and other competitions, equal bonuses for game outcomes and World Cup participation, equal pay for every day in training camps, equal split of World Cup prize money with the two teams pooling and then dividing their prize totals from the 2022 and 2023 tournaments and the 2026 and 27 competitions, equal split of a new commercial revenue share program with US soccer and equal rate for tickets sold for games controlled by US soccer. There's an example here. If the men reach the round of 16 in Qatar and win $13 million from FIFA, the US women win the tournament in 23 and earn $7 million, they basically would evenly split 90% of that combined total of $20 million. And then the remaining 10% goes to the federation. I think this is great. It's wonderful. This could be a real game changer. As a model, yeah. Yeah, as a model, for sure. Because it's just smart, and I think it's, it, I personally think it's fair. I think it's absolutely fair, and I think just in terms of a model that can be replicated and be used as an example now, it's really, really powerful. Um, and it need, in, in some ways, it's actually quite, I would say, radical um, as a model. I mean, it, it's, it's slightly unusual because the women's team has been so successful um, for the US, you know, more success on the men's team that, that it has forced this issue into contention because it's forced, it's forced the injustice of this to the table. I think if, if the women's team had been as successful, it's just credit to them, we might not have even be having this conversation. So I'm really, yeah. really glad that there's been this breakthrough. And it, it's, it's great because it comes four years in advance of the US co-hosting the tournament 2026. So in terms of the message that sends to the women's game, in the US and more broadly, it's like, well, actually we can get to the negotiating table and get a job done. And that's the kind of leverage we hadn't seen really used before. Um, or yeah, we hadn't seen the leverage before. We hadn't seen it exerted before. So really exciting for them. I agree. Props to all of them who went through all of that horrible, horrible, horrible process to get there. And, uh, yeah, that was not, that was hard one. Yeah. That was hard one. Yeah. Um, a couple of other things, obviously, like we mentioned, Women's Champions League final this weekend. We don't usually do look aheads, but what are you thinking? Uh, <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to. I am not going to walk into that bear trap. <laughs> I'm not doing this. Um, no, I'm hyped for it though. I'm, I'm very really, really hyped for it. It's in Turin. It's going to be on zone, streamed on YouTube worldwide. We know some people who are going. We're not going. Well, I'm not going. Are you going? I'm, I'm not going, no, unfortunately. Uh, right, he's going to be there. Imagine if you said, imagine if we said we're not going and we both pop up there, having not told each other. 
Oh my God, that would have been so awkward. How, how awful. Oh no, I'm oh, not. I can't, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm actually going, I, but I, I, I can't, can't tell Musa that I'm going because he's not going and it's going to be a bit awkward because I didn't really get him a ticket. And then I get yeah. there and I'm like, whoa, hang on, it's going to be like the, the Spider-Man meme. <laughs> yes. Hang on a minute. <laughs> you, why you, did, you. Why didn't you. you tell me you weren't coming? Why didn't you tell me you weren't coming? Oh my God, you went behind my back. You went behind my back. <laughs> okay, that's fine. We're cool. I'd love to have gone. Tell you what, I'll fall out if you're going to this game. And I'm, I'm not. not going to this game. I'm definitely not. <laughs> I'm absolutely not, unfortunately. Got some family business. Um, all right, I'm not predicting it either because this is a repeat of the 2019 final. Yes. Where Leon absolutely hammered Barca. And that was a real turning point for Barcelona in terms of their development into what they've become now. It's the first time those two have played each other in the final since. And it comes two years after, obviously, Leon won their last. I just, uh, I can't call it. I can't call it, Musa. Right, you really can't because it's... Can you call it? No, because... Please call it. Because <laughs> Leon are coming with a vengeance. Actually, no. Should I call it? Yeah, why not? You know I'm like, I think Barcelona no, are doing this. No, don't, don't. You think Barcelona are doing it? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. There we okay. go. I said it. Someone, someone had to say it. Someone had to come out and say it. Wow. Is there anything else we need to talk about or should we leave it for today? It's been quite a brief one today because... Brief and breezy, yeah. Brief and breezy, nice and breezy. Yeah. Uh, all right, everyone, let's leave you to it. We'll leave you all to it. Don't forget to check theringer.com forward slash soccer. Check this week's Righty's House if you haven't and Tuesday Stadio. Uh, we'll be back on Monday. Stadio Actress Plays on Spotify. Speaking of which, playing out on Bobby Bird, Rock On, the Bob Blank remix. And uh, anything else you want to you add, Musa Ongo? Nothing further, Your Honour. Nothing further. Nothing? Nothing at Nothing. all? Nothing. No axes to grind. No scores to settle. You sure? <laughs> you sure Nothing there's not a take you want to slip out? <laughs> Nothing to repeat publicly. <laughs> Nothing. All right then, everyone. Have a lovely weekend. Much love. We'll be back on Monday. See you then. <laughs>